Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Welcome to Annexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Annexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well hello everybody, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 21, where we dive deep into the legacy of NXS, celebrate their fantasticness, uh, and talk to fans of a similar mind, and also educate some of the rookie fans along the way in what is a deep dive. B, how are you? How was your NXS week? What do you want to know first? Oh, well look, I think coming off last week's episode with Tim, I think there was a lot of love post the oh, Tim episode, a lot of the gosh. feedback. Um, Lots so, of love. We posted out what everyone thought about um, their favourite Timmy riff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot came out with um, Need You Tonight and What You Need. And uh, I Send A Message was up there as well. Now, that song I played out last week, 11th Revolution, I think uh, Laurie really liked that. And a lot of people hadn't heard it. So the only thing it lacked was some lyrics, didn't it? I think it's a really yeah. good riff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really good. Hey, what's the sock song? The sock song. Yeah. Meaning? I don't know. <laughs> Someone wrote something about the NXS sock song. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this sock okay. song. So if anyone's out there, let us know about well, the sock song. <laughs> MM, our, our, our oracle of all things in excess, probably would know that, you know, if it's a euphemism or if it's a literal <laughs> reference to socks, I don't know. But um, <laughs> uh, it was nice sort of giving uh, Tim his sort of uh, due last week and then also mm. putting on one of his own sort of uh, individual contributions for the B-side of the Heaven Sent CD single. Um, but uh, B, we've had uh, our patrons, uh, obviously, over the last month, two months, be very generous with their contributions. As we do weekly, we would like to welcome them to the podcast. Uh, over to you. Hello, Pedro. Hello to Lisa Urban and Foxy and Felicia and Sarah, Larry and Carmen and Sue, Matt, Joe, Mandy, Anne-Marie, Daniela, Lisa, Callaway, Lisa McIntosh, um, Katie, Carrie-Anne, Jim, and Susan. Welcome, nice. we everyone. Like, yeah, we always like to welcome you. The great contributors, both financially <laughs> and but uh, just as importantly, engagement throughout the week. Dr. Jim, I, I, I love saying that. It's a bit like Dr. Hook, Dr. Jim. <laughs> Dr. Jim. Uh, a a fellow, fellow Melbourneian who's just as passionate uh, oh. and has got his own little induct the band into the Hall of Fame, which is part of our mantra too so it's a bit of a joint assault isn't it B? Yes I, I need to mention that they've just hit over 2,000 signatures so they're doing really 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 well but we need 10,000. So about please. like four weeks only or five weeks roughly? Mm, or? They've not been doing it very long and no. um, and Jim's doing um, some videos as well I think he's up to number five now yeah. they're really interesting he's done a lot of research on them so please everybody yeah. go to the in, um, in excess induct in, in in excess into the Rock Hall of Fame and uh, you'll see them there. I think we've been sharing them though, haven't we, on yeah. Facebook? I won't make you say that again, B. It's a bit of a Tommy's Peppers Pipers. <laughs> Induct in excess in the Hall of Fame, Twitter. <laughs> look at look at your platforms, it'll be there. 
Mm. So, look, yeah, last week's episode was great. Look, we had a lot of good feedback and uh, was great to sort of recognise Tim. Uh, I think uh, throughout the week it's been interesting. Uh, I've heard a couple of In Excess songs on the radio and been having my ear on the lowdown to Tim's sort of riffs. And uh, a bit like I spoke about with John, when you start to identify the individual sort of con- contribution and part of it, it's funny how your ears start aligning themselves to that particular person. But, yeah, for Tim... Uh, again, it was a, it was a great chance to honour you, and we love it some you know future time to be able to chat with you and break down in your own words just uh, you know what Inexcess mm. meant to you and 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 how you felt about the, your career with them. So something to look forward to going forward. Yes. Today, though, we've got a bit of an interesting topic which we might highlight now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but before we do that, I know a lot of our patrons, um, they're going to be introducing a lot of our topics going forward, aren't they, B? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of our segments and things. So if you do hear... This is Pedro from Portugal. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, part of being in the patron club. Yep, you become a uh, contributor to the Zoom calls. You become mm-hmm. a recipient of merchandise and goodies that B's sending out to you. Mm-hmm. Or for a cup of coffee or a Red Bull or a, a packet of cigarettes a month or whatever. It's well, something, something to be a part of. Yeah, this is something that we set out that we wanted to share, didn't we? It wasn't yep. just about us. It was no. about all the fans. So, yeah, we really want you to come aboard. So, please, everybody, try and look at our reward systems. There's something there for everybody. But, yeah, to be a platinum um, contributor is pretty special. So, uh, yep. yeah, it's and really we, good. Uh, when they get inducted to the Hall of Fame, we'll all be flying there. Oh. Uh, part of the the uh, I guess uh, patron club. We're all going to be flying there, and uh, we're on all the NXS jet. Correct. Uh, <laughs> might borrow the X Factor tour jet. Um, <laughs> one of it's still in commission, but uh, we might get John Travolta to fly us over there yes. as well. Um, but uh, and we're also going to have a biannual in excess party every two yeah. years yeah. somewhere in the world. We're going to get all of our patrons and alumni and close uh, fans and contributors to the band to come to a massive in excess party. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that would inspire the band to reform and start playing live again, B. I don't think they need to be inspired too much. It's, <laughs> we just, we just, uh, yeah. Let's just... a thousand in excess maniacs in an auditorium <laughs> or somewhere, absolutely rabid, okay, and they're pulling out their, their, their uh, classics. That would be... Uh, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that would be the penultimate, wouldn't it, yeah. for us? Yeah. Hey? Yeah. So... Um, but, uh, yeah, today uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about our sort of favourite in excess moments or uh, in some cases might be even infamous or memorable, et cetera. They're probably memorable is the right adjective. But we sort of thought that, you know, after 20 episodes, maybe it would be nice for us both individually who are very passionate about this band, maybe just get to share our own in excess, in excess experiences and what um, I, I guess motivated myself and B ultimately to put this podcast together. And uh, if we are a little bit self-indulgent, um, that's probably the reason we're doing this podcast um, But uh, in the first place. But um, it is about our fandom and about what connected to, to this band in the early days and what allowed us to sort of continue and sort of ride the ups and downs and, and really feel passionate about this band to, to this day. So mm. uh, allow us a little bit of, um, I guess, indulgence as we go through those uh, a little bit later. And uh, we hope a bit like with Richard the other week, you feel some sort of connectivity to them and we can sort of take you on our own journey and mentally transport you back in time for what it was that um, connect, uh, connected us with this 
awesome band. And talking about self-indulgence, did you like your little caricature I made of you? <laughs> well, look, I've made it to an avatar. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I, uh, life, life is, I got a, a happy birthday from Tim the other week and I, now I'm an avatar. So, you know, I think <laughs> I can die a happy man. <laughs> You're welcome. Did, did you send me one with <laughs> stubble or no stubble? Is that right? <laughs> I said, do you want facial hair or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah probably, probably the COVID facial hair is more appropriate. All right, news of the week, B. We normally start off with our chart attack uh, in the Australian charts. There's no real update. We had two updates last week at the time of recording, so there hasn't been a, uh, enough days in between recording to get a chart shift. But we are hoping that people in Australia get out and download the album, buy the CD, whatever you have to do to keep it relevant because we need to yes. outlast Dark Side of the Moon. We do. Yes. Uh, in the USA, Need You Tonight Part 2, Dua Lipa, Sample Remix, Remix Lift, Plagiarism Part 64 has uh, dipped from 17 to 20. So it is starting to eke the wrong on way. way. Yeah, on its way down. Now, I don't know. It might go back up again. Well, I saw that you... Saw a massive uh, percentage of our listeners are from America, so if they all go mm. out and download the track, they yes. are indirectly helping in excess and could get it back up the charts. They do. So even if you've got so, it on kick, look at it as a way of um, I don't know extra royalties for the band and extra prominence and acknowledgement. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yes, it has dipped uh, from seventeen to twenty. So we do hope it maybe does a reverse turn as often happens in America. Also, too, this particular last uh, four or five days, it is actually 15 years ago, almost to the day, that JD Fortune was selected as the You're Right for Our Band in Excess uh, yes. <laughs> Rockstar selection. So uh, I did say before the episode, B, he is born on the same day as me, slightly younger, but uh, he is a September 1 baby. Oh. Um, and I do believe this week, B, out of nowhere, you might have got a tweet, an Insta reply or something like that from a JD. Is that true? Yeah, well, yes. No, well, I, well, I saw something on Facebook about the 15th year thing and it was on his page. And so I just, um, I messaged him saying, hey, it'd be really nice if there's anyone on here who would sign the petition because I thought I'd push the petition means there's loads of people lit you know, about the in excess and thing. And next thing I know, he's um, on my Insta, on our Instagram page um, saying, I've got some lovely things to tell you about in excess. I'm like, you bring that on. Wow. <laughs> and if that's going to be our, uh, you know, blue edition, we might have to censor that one. There could be what happens on the road trip stays on the road trip or on tour stays on tour. No, it doesn't stay on tour. It oh. comes straight onto the podcast. Thank you. Well, we are unfiltered. We, we pull no yes. punches here. So, nope. uh, uh, maybe there's Tell me all. Well, <laughs> maybe there's an opening when we get to the JD years that we can elaborate and get him on the show. Um, <laughs> As I said last week, it is 30 years, just over 30 years now since X album has been uh, released and there has been some great articles that we do encourage you to download. I know Andrew, as I said, has been on a bit of a tour de force with his uh, media street uh, interviews. 
I did uh, rather joke that last week he was talking to, I think, the Niagara Tribune uh, on the border of Canada and America, which is pretty cool. So Andrew has also <laughs> done an, uh, an interview with a, a Rock Pit article. And also, I mentioned last week, with the Australian newspaper article, I have uh, purchased the hard copy edition of that, B because uh, it was behind a paywall. And I'm going to uh, oh. take pics and upload that Excellent. onto our Facebook site. So you don't have to okay. go to a paywall or pay to read the article, but it... It is a good article because I think it goes back about a year, then six months, and then up to date. It's like a three-parter where the journalist oh, interviewed Andrew over a 12-month period, you know. Right. Uh, so it is a good read and it does sort of dive deeper than just a sort of a three-paragraph job. It, it I'm really not gonna, does... We're not going to get into trouble, are we? I might not have to, like, deal with lawyers and things like going behind the paywall and screenshotting uh, all this the stuff. The Sergeant Schultz, Hogan's hero <laughs> defence. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just a little podcast. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're just, we're just both blondish, aren't we? We can go, I don't know. But uh, the fans uh, will deal with their fans' knowledge and increase uh, more than worrying about lawyers. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so, okay. look, there's a lot of articles around at the moment and, you know, some of them are downloadable. I think probably Andrew's the most media street person currently. And if you plug his name into Google, you're going to get lots of little articles that, that probably explain, you know, about his EP coming out, the, the solo album being paused, the two singles he's released, um, what took him into country. Uh, his partner, I guess, is from America. Uh, she's lovely. Uh, she's uh, been very kind to us and we uh, thank her for that. Uh, but I know, you know, that connection with her being from America and Nashville um, probably lent itself to Andrew sort of going down that particular pathway. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can, uh, uh, I guess, learn more about Andrew's situation currently. Yeah, yeah I'd like to say thank you, Marlena. When I'm with you, everything's going my way. All stars in mine. Uh, one of the cool things uh, that we alluded to a few few episodes ago and something we can sort of do a little bit is that for the probably the Pedros and me and some of the real collectors out there, there are some very rare in excess items. Now, I know we spoke the other week about uh, Richard's uh, book uh, about Michael Hutchins and the pictures, but uh, there is quite a legendary, uh, well, a couple of legendary uh, in excess uh, items that were released many, many years ago that are very difficult to get. So uh, if anybody is in that particular world as a fan, you will probably know their very first single, which was uh, Simple Simon, uh, and I think it was the sort of French, you know, 45, uh, you know, single pressing is Mm -hmm. virtually impossible to get. You can't go go to a record store and get it. You can only really buy it from somebody out there. And Richard was explaining to me that he paid $1,200 for his in 1996. Now, he knows someone actually at the moment who in Australia would be uh, are prepared to sell one of his copies for 500 Now, it might seem sort of like a lot of money for what was it originally a $2 uh, vinyl single, but it's demand and supply. This is the most rarest and excess item you can get, the Simple Simon first single French pressing. So uh, uh, I am putting it out there. Uh, and additionally, I think the same guy's also got a Dutch promo uh, of Listen Like Thieves, uh, a four-track promo from that album, uh, and there are, again, within our community, a lot of people out there have some great stuff. So, um, you know, we're not here to become bookies or agents of transactions, but uh, if you are keen and you are obviously wanting to know more about 
you know, exchanging or buying or purchasing or whatever between each other, um, engage on social media, contact Richard. He'll put you on onto people who he might know. But we know, you know, I think looking at Pedro's uh, backdrop when we did the Zoom call with him, Pedro, one of our platinum providers, uh, <laughs> he had a massive back, backdrop of in excess stuff. And yeah. I don't really collect myself. I have a lot of magazines and CDs and, and music. I, I'm not a collector of badges and caps and things like that. But, um, you know, if you're a collector of anything that has in excess sort of attach, attachments to it, be it music or merchandise, this is the forum and the place probably where you're going to find and meet people and start suddenly build relationships and start, you know, maybe selling or exchanging some stuff. So um, I know uh, there are collectors out there who are missing that simple Simon French edition. Um, I think they only probably printed off 500 to a thousand copies originally. So Mm -hmm. they are a bit like hen's teeth. They're quite rare B. Yeah, they are. And now you're listening to In Access Access All Areas. Topic of the week. All right, topic of the week. Thank you, Tim, man of the hour, man of the week, Tim Ferris. Thank you. We are very excited to talk mm-hmm. today about. We, we, I think we went top five, B, but we just couldn't. We couldn't no, edit it. So no. we agreed that it's going to be a top six moments, memorable moments for each of us, aren't they? But, but I'm going to try. I am going to try and keep it to six, but B, I might sort of. There's going to what? be a top six. <laughs> we have gone from five to six. You like my son going eight o'clock means nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and look, what we thought we would do with this, because look, in excess has been a big part of our lives and, um, you know, B is from Birmingham. I am from Melbourne, Australia, and we grew up in different parts of the planet, but equally connected sort of, you know, through the cosmos with this band. But what attracts and what makes everybody connect with anybody is always, you know, their own individual circumstances. Um, so what we thought we would do for flow and just allowing each person to have their sort of time is that I'm going to be a gentleman and handball to B, and she's just going to go through from probably six down to one just her sort of six defining in excess moments have sort of shaped her fandom. Um, and then we will probably handball to me to do my six. So um, I'll do the countdown B in terms of the numbers. You can do the, uh, you can, you can share accordingly. So what comes in at number six for you? Okay. And coming in at number six for me, I'm going to go for hearing the kick album for the very first time. I was blown away like many other other fans on this one it was just 
like new sensation, never heard anything like that before. You know, you've got like, I mean, wham in the charts and God knows what, sorry, wham fans. But in excess, when I heard that album and um, I got the vinyl, I got it on cassette. And um, I've got to say that, you know, the cover, everything. We've talked about this album so much and we're going to do a, a complete um, show on it. But um, that's my number six, hearing um, kick for the very first time. What was the uh, oh, what, what was the moment, you know, that connected that with you? Where I were you? What part of your life were you at? Where was I? I was probably in my bedroom at home living with my parents still at the time going to college. Um, and I remember going to um, HMV, the record store, and I'd had it on order as well. And I didn't have any money then. I saved so much and, uh, yeah, I couldn't wait to play it. I was quite penniless. I was a, a proper penniless um, college student at that time. Mm. But um, yeah, when when I got that album, I've, I've, it's precious to me, absolutely precious. So anyway, number five. Number five is meeting you, Mr. Hayden. <laughs> Not only just meeting you, though, but well, going that's to... That's underwhelming. <laughs> it was very underwhelming. No, um, going to the Mystify premiere and just that was a very emotional moment is um, wrapped up in this. I can't explain it really. I went with my best friend and it was very exciting night. We, we got on the bus and we went over um, at Sydney bridge and like we're videoing it for Hutch nation and we're getting all giggly and we got there and we're drinking lots of champagne and getting our photo taken on the red carpet. And then you come over to us and uh, it was just a really fun night. There was um, quite a lot of celebrities there as well. We could see um, um, a rec come over and shook his hands and, and we saw um, Richard Lowenstein and, and it was all very exciting. And then we got in and then it hit me. It really hit me why I was there to watch that film and, if anyone hasn't seen Mr. Fye, you've got to watch Mr. Fye. Um, to see Michael on the screen and see the real Michael that we knew, it's it, it, it's it's beautiful. Um, Richard Lernstein's done an amazing job. And like I just said a minute ago about my number six, we will do an episode on Kick. We will definitely be doing another episode on Mr. Fye. So. Yeah. I That's think I think to support five. I think to support number five that night, as I said, yeah, B and I mm. met just over a year ago, and I mm. was sort of uh, I think uh, crewless and friendless, and I only mm. knew one person who'd put a montage on Facebook about her, <laughs> her 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 travel escapades down from Coffs Harbour to Sydney back by NXS tracks. I thought this 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 lady's pretty cool. This chick's pretty cool. Um, she puts herself out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go up and say hello, and um, and then yeah, when when the movie started, I think there was a lot of mm. people in that room who wanted to be in that room. And it, yeah. it was a, it was a really sort of t tasteful audience. It wasn't a bunch of would be Instagrammers in there. I think people in that no. audience that night were people who wanted to be there and we all experienced the movie for what it was together at the same time, which, uh, yeah, it was great. I was uh, like sitting, sitting there. Where were you sitting? I was sitting at the, in the balcony. I moved around a little bit. I oh, think did you? I, I, I think I because I got bad eyesight. <laughs> I didn't have my glasses. <laughs> I moved down to the left hand to the front area. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I was in the balcony and um, it hit me when it all started. And um, 
there was people there that I'd got speaking to, funny enough, that's me speaking to people, I speak to everybody, but we were all held hands and we were like patting each other and comforting each other through it. Hmm. It was it was really nice. It was really brought a lot of people together. All right, number four B in your most top six memorable in excess moments for you. Number four is actually seeing um, in excess um, on the TV because I'd I'd seen them already live, and but I never seen them on the TV in England, and to see them on the tube being um, interviewed by Paula um, and then listening to thinking um, listen like thieves that was quite a big moment for me because it's like that's my band that's the band that I'm into and they're on the tube and it was like I'd never seen them perform and I was like I just got even more excited to go and see them and I think within like I think it was the same week or within the same couple of months they were on the Montre Rock Festival and there they were with um, Eurythmics and um, Queen there was lots of um, I thought I'd written it all down now I think who else was on there with them there were some big big names and um, yeah they looked Gorgeous. And that was a moment for me. It was like, yeah, this band's bigger than I thought they were because I, I didn't realise how big they were. Not bad for a bunch of convicts from down under, yeah? Yeah. I thought, no, how come everyone now that, knows about my band? <laughs> now, 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 that one about the tube, that was the first time that uh, yeah. uh, Paula and Michael were sort of um, doing mm. their thing because they later uh, re-hooked up. Mm. Literally and euphemistically, on another episode on the Big Breakfast later on, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's my number two. <laughs> <Funny enough. laughs> I'm, jumping, I'm jumping the gun. Look, I don't even know these lists, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll revamp back to number three, okay? okay. Uh, to keep this in some sort of order. What's number three, B? And my number three is actually my starting of the um, Hutch Nation because that's brought not just yeah it's just brought lots of friends and we were saying earlier about people like exchanging uh, merchandise and friendships and it's been a really wonderful journey to have started that I can't like I must have started about three years ago now and it's just got bigger and bigger and it I've I've been able to meet the most amazing people like Richard Simpkins and Richard Lowenstein and I've met like (laughs) just so many people and now I'm talking to you know Mylena um, Andrew's wife and I'm talking to Tim and it's just like all through starting the Hutch Nation page and my beautiful admin as well so that's been a massive in excess thing for me um, is um, number three Hutch Nation Right. Okay. Number two, I think I've, I've, two. I've obviously guessed it before, yes. but we will give you a bit of a drum roll. Number two. Number two. Okay. So why number two is special to me is because, and it's, 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 everybody knows I'm a Paula fan. I was a Paula fan before I was a Michael fan. And when these two got together, it was like all my world's exploded I was like what how can they know each other and they're on the bed and you could see the chemistry oh my god I just that them two together and it was the same time I'd I'd just met my husband or boyfriend at the time and um, I was so in love with him and it was just I don't know it's one of those like okay 
my two loves have met and I've met my love. And that's, that's a big in excess moment for me. I know it's more of a micro moment, but it was an in excess moment for me having them two together. And then I went down to London to be with my boyfriend because he, um, he went to move down, um, in, um, Brixton way, actually, funny enough. And, um, while we were there, I went to see him down in Brixton and um, on the TV was the Jules Holland show. And yep. there, Michael rolling around on the piano singing, never tear us apart. You know, it's really funny. I, I watched that last night, like just coincidentally, really? like, you know, through Facebook and whatever there, we've got friends in our community who are posting yeah. different things. And I saw yeah. that one last night when Michael's really just sort of sitting on the chair and oh. just Andrew playing the, the keyboards or piano and yeah. Michael just nails it. Because for me being in England, we hadn't see, I hadn't seen them tour as much. No. So to see that back in, in 94 um, and there was the new look Michael soft in his jumper and, mm. and the band played amazing that night. Um, they played three sets. They played um, Stranger's Party, mm. um, Never Tear Us Apart, which was just a ballad with um, Andrew. Andrew and Michael, on, yeah. And, and, and Kirk coming in as yep, well. Yep. And then they played Suicide Blonde. Yeah. And another thing I didn't realize, but when you, if, if you, if Google that, Google it and get it on um, YouTube, everybody, because it's a really good interview with Jules. I just had to go watch it again. And he says, oh, and that was Percy Sledge. And how funny I talked about first Percy Sledge last Castle. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was actually on the show with them that night. Yeah, funny enough. Swings Um, and roundabouts, huh? Swings and roundabouts. All right. Well, well, you've gone through six to number two. I think we need to do a little bit of a drum roll for your number one in excess (laughs) moment, okay? Okay. Uh, Requires a little bit of a drumming intro, but uh, (laughs) B, tell us your most memorable in excess moment ever. It has to be the first time I went to see them in concert in 1986. Previous episodes, I've talked about it, but let's take it right down now. So I got that ticket because a girlfriend had told me about them playing. I was like, let's go. And we um, caught up with some other girlfriends. I remember getting ready at home and the car beeping and had to run down. (laughs) And before mum saw what I was wearing, she would have called me back in otherwise. And then, yeah, getting our, um, getting the tunes on on the way and getting my lipstick out. And oh my God, I was only young, so young. And then, yeah, I think we might have been a bit late, which is unusual for me. <laughs> and we had to run from the car park and get in there. Um, but we weren't late and there was a big queue, but we went straight in anyway. And um, I really can't remember who supported them. Really can't because it was just taken over when they got on stage. Everyone was just out of their seats and ran down to the front of the stage. And yeah, it was for anyone who hasn't seen them, you feel like you were at a party straight away. Yeah. And I just, it was just, <laughs> I mean, I'd never been to anything like that ever, but they mm. just really knew how to play those bloody instruments, I tell you. And uh, Michael, yeah, doing his little strip on as, as well. <laughs> that got well, us all a bit it's, hot. It's one of those funny things. <laughs> there, there, there are websites you can go back to, I think one's called Setlist FM, 
And you can go mm-hmm. back, if you've got sort of, you know, approximate month of the year, you can go back and identify the venue, the date, yeah. the set list. And yeah. nine times out of 10, you'll see the set list of what they played. And mm-hmm. sometimes your memory things fade. We think, oh, they played this first and actually they played it last and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I, uh, I'll go back in for you and maybe I can send that to you. Yeah, no, I've got the set list. I think there was about 16 or even 18 songs that they played because we kept asking them to come back on. Get back, get back. They, they, um, would have played, they would have played generally more than that. If they were headlining their own show, they would have played 22 to 25 songs oh, really? generally. Really? Um, if it's sometimes a festival tour and there's other bands, you might get 17 or 18 for time mm-hmm. reasons, but um, I reckon you might find they played a bit more. Well, I've, I've, I've been looking on the, all the websites that you can write comments and I've been hoping that somebody else is at that concert and I found someone called Debbie. Oh. <laughs> so I've messaged her and hopefully one day we can get her on the show and we can uh, get excited together about what, what was the concert like, but she really enjoyed it. She went with her boyfriend at the time who is now her husband. Wow. That would be good wow. if we can get her on. Debbie, please come to me, Debbie. <laughs> small world, small world. Yeah, yeah. So that's mine. Okay, Hayden, so we're over to you now. Can you tell me your number six, please? All right. Well, I've got six things here. As you said, it was a hard task. It's a bit like sort of ranking your children and things like that, but I have managed to sort of put them in a priority order. Uh, so for me, the, the sixth most memorable experience was in literally around my birthday uh, in 2005, Uh I went to Rockstar in Excess, the actual TV show. Mm, lucky bugger. Yeah. So me and the friend at the time, her and I flew over there and we were able to get sort of tickets online, et cetera, there and stayed in sort of Beverly Hills there. And we went down to the studio and mm. uh, we were lining out the front and there was a queue at the front of a couple of hundred metres and we had our tickets and everything there. And we're in the queue for a little bit of time and then we got about, I don't know, 15 from the front. And a very important looking lady with a, with a clipboard and a sort of a badge and a sort of, a, um, you know, a, an importance in her persona said, oh, look, hey, everybody, you know, that's, that's it for today. Uh, we're overbooked, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Yeah. Now, I think I went up to her and said words of this effect. I think I said, I waited for the crowd to mill away. She said, them, look, come back on Wednesday for another episode. We'll give you tickets then, blah, blah, blah. I waited for the crowd to sort of go away. Then I went up to her at the end and I said, look, I pulled my driver's license out and I had obviously the Australian accent. And I said, <laughs> her, name was, uh, her name was Chelsea or Daisy or Barbie or something. And I said, Chelsea, me and my girlfriend, we've come a long way to be here today. Now, if you look at this driver's license, it's a yeah, 14,000 miles. We, there ain't no coming back on Wednesday for us because we're on a flight back to Australia. Um, Good on you. Yeah. She Life sort of thick. got onto her radio and sort of suddenly she's like, hang on, wait here for a sec. Next thing you know, we were escorted inside the CBS lot. Mm. We were walking past the studios where they were filming without a trace. Mm. We then get to the studio where they're filming Rockstar in Excess and then we had to go through a metal detector. We were dressed up really like cool. We weren't dressed down. We were dressed up. Right? Have we, you got we, photos? I have photos. But even more importantly, when we got inside, they were starting the show 
And then at the first commercial break, another lady inside there was escorted, my girlfriend and I at the time, to go down to the front row and be <gasps> standing behind Brooke Burke, the host, introducing yeah. a segment. Now, <laughs> very self-indulgent story, I know, but... This show at the time had about a 24-hour lag period between recording in LA and then going on the TV screens of Australia and America. Well, about a day later, I'm getting messages from friends who are watching on Foxtel going, you're not in America, are you? <laughs> I've gone, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> so we went to the recording of the episode. Um, and then we went to another episode, I think a day or two later. And, uh, and then we met all the participants. And then I met Kirk and Tim outside. And I think they were going for a cigarette and whatever there. Um, and, uh, you know, that whole sort of experience, I met JD and yeah. some of the other people out the front and things. And, um, yeah, it was, there you uh, go. it was a very memorable moment. And that's number six. Experience. What's number four, five, four, three, two, <laughs> one going to be like, that's well, pretty I'll tell you, cool. This is, a, this is a good list here. I go, this, this is, is a good list. This no wonder I had to go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is indulgent central today. So we, you know, we been humble for 20 episodes so we are allowed to reveal today but um look for number five for me i was uh in the car i reckon i was 13 it was christmas time my mum and my sister we were driving to a place called the sydney Maya music bowl which is a as sydney not in the city but sydney as in s-i-d-n-e-y and that was a sort of a stadium sort of amphitheater in melbourne we were going to see a band called the little river band now some of you guys in America and around the world will know them for hits like Reminiscing and um, Hang On and all these sort of songs. But we were going to see them around Christmas time. And in the car, this song came on. And I'm like, what's this? And then they go back afterward and say, hey, this is the new song from In Excess, Original Sin. And I'm like, wow, this is like, I, I knew them from the Shabusha Bar and a little yeah. bit from sort of you know, Underneath the Colours and all that sort of stuff. But I then turned around and I was just like, wow, what a song. And then I think it was two weeks till Christmas, actually, roughly. And all I wanted for Christmas was the NXS single. There was no Twitter. There was no, you know, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you couldn't even go buy it at the shops yet. It was being released in a week's time. I couldn't wait to buy this single. Um, and I couldn't wait opening it up on Christmas Day and getting it and playing it and playing it and playing it and playing it. And, you know, them sort of, I go, I guess, going from sort of more of a, an alternative sort of ethereal type sound uh, on um, Shibu Shabata, this funk Noel Rogers inspired or produced mm-hmm. song with hooks, hooks and sort of salsa outros and, you know, big chunky guitars and the film clip and everything yeah. we've spoken about was just like, wow, that was wow. sort of like the hook. If I was a mm. fish out in the ocean, that was like, mm-hmm. it sucker punched me through my cheek. Yeah. And, I was hooked on the band from that song onwards. I liked the band before then, knew of them. Yeah. But I think the band took a massive step with that song. So mm-hmm. the whole original Sin experience, it sort of indoctrinated me into the NXS world as a, as a lifelong bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, yeah. I, I, I get you. Guess yeah. what? <laughs> well, the funny thing too, on the, on the B sides of the, of the, the uh, single, sort of in a sort of a pink type sleeve with sort of Japanese oriental type mm. sort of uh, pictures on the front, but it had this song called In Vain Just Keep Walking in brackets. And I thought for, for years and years, it was just one song, but In Vain's a song and Just Keep Walking's a song. So I knew sort of later on that they were sort of B side two and three. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. You know, it got to hear those songs and, you know, suddenly go back in the catalog to the early stuff as well. But um, yeah, I was 13 and I, you start to enter that 
sort of teenage high school period where you got to pick a band. And in Australia, there were probably three bands coming through at the time. There was obviously Cold Chisel had been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but there was probably In Excess and Midnight Oil were the two sort of bands that, you know, fans crossed over a little bit, but be like Ford and Holden here in Australia, there was sort of, you generally pick one or the other that you like more. And um, yeah, I mean, I like Midnight Oil, but I loved In Excess and that song was the uh, yeah. impetus. Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how you got into music? So, uh, uh, so were you a sporty boy or a, yeah, what, what? Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, we, uh, I've said this quote on other podcasts before. We, we grew up in Australia where you can listen to sort of Metallica, Aretha Franklin, In Excess on the same radio station. It wasn't for, it's not formatted here in many yeah. cases. It is now more so. But back then, you know, you put on a station like 3XY or Eon FM and some of these stations and things, they put a wide variety of stuff on. And yeah. why Australia's had, you know, I guess battered very largely above its weight over the years with bands like ACDC and Midnight Oil and Crowded House and In Excess and... Um, uh, Cold Chisel and Powderfinger and some of these luminary bands that have done fantastic things. Notice I didn't mention Air Supply. Um, the, the, the reason why we've done well is, I guess, because we are a bit of a melting pot of styles and, and music and bands, um, probably like Inexist mostly, sort of amalgamated so many different sounds into their sound. And, um, yeah, we'd put on the radio and music was always a pastime. Even if we're outside, you'd have music on blaring out and, Mm. You, you can walk and chew gum here at the same time. You can like music and kick a footy. Good. I, All I right. was definitely in that category. All right. Let's move on to number four. All right. Number four. Uh, I mentioned this the other week on the Listen Like Thieves thing. To me, it was uh, around the mid-80s in Australia. We were a country that people were starting to know a bit better. Um, around about 80, 86, there was a movie called Crocodile Dundee came out and Paul Hogan really put Australia sort of on the map. Um, even if it was a bit of a cultural cringe in some parts, but it did get the world interested in things from Australia with what he did. And In Excess actually ironically invested in that movie with some sort of initially an aim of just writing off some tax money. Mm -hmm. But they did very well in investing in that. But uh, in March of 86 uh, and In Excess itself had finally been recognised with their first top five hit okay, in America, which was What You Need. And as I said, with Casey Kasem uh, actually on the radio station saying, this is what you need uh, down under Australia's in excess. And number five went, I was just like the pride, you know, yeah, coming pride. through. Yeah. The pride in coming through that uh, speakers about an Aussie band conquering America and going over there was massive because it was so hard to do. It's easier in some ways to do now because from your living room you can get put a song on and get a whole bunch of celebrities Instagram liking it and influencers mm. and suddenly it gets reach and then the song won't even be that good. But people go, oh, watch this one, you know. And, yeah. you know, in excess to get that top five hit. Yeah. I probably did 2,000 concerts before that top five hit. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and to get into the top five in America was a massive thing, especially after this time stiff for them as their opening sort of song off, listen like this, especially after uh, Original Sin, unbelievably stiffed in the American charts because of the racial divide in the lyrics and things. Like, for me, this was Pride Central. You know, that year, you know, we had Crocodile Dundee come out. We, um, a couple of years before, we won the America's Cup sailing. That year, Greg Norman won the British Open in golf. The next year, Pat Cash won Wimbledon. There was such this big sort of a, you know, I know in England in the mid-90s, you had Cool Britannica, yeah? 
yeah. <laughs> that was that oh. expression, Cool Britannica. You know, it was like Oasis Blur, everything British, the Labor oh. government, the Tories oh, are out. Right. It yeah. was an era. Yeah. Britpop, you're on about. explain Cool Britannica to a British person? <laughs> no. I've never heard it said that. We were called, it was called Britpop to us. Well, no, but there was a movement called Cool, cool C-O-O-L, Britannica, which was this movement of music and Never politics. heard of it. Okay, you're probably at the club. You so make that up. Time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, audience, but yeah. So I think in the mid '80s for Australia, there was just this national pride that was coming through both in sport and music and culture, and Inexcess had sort of been part of that wave that oh, okay. created such a, a movement here and a, and a level of pride. So, so yeah, that's my number four, B. Okay, number three. Okay. All right, continue with the theme. Uh, 1988 September, MTV Music Awards. Uh, these awards, especially in the 80s, the MTV Awards were bigger than the Grammys. Um, you know, the Grammys were still a bit nerdish. You know, the uh, element of cutting-edge recognition of music uh, wasn't quite there at the Grammys as it was at the MTV Music Awards. Technically speaking, a, a video is not music. It's a video. It's a sort of an imagery portrayal or something. But... Essentially, the MTV Awards recognised ultimately what was the best song and album and whatever of the year. And generally what happened is some of those songs and albums were combined with cutting-edge videos as well. So you had artists like, you know, Die Straits with Money for Nothing. You had Peter Gabriel, you know, with Sledgehammer uh, coming through, uh, The Cars, uh, etc. Some of these amazing videos and songs around the mid-'80s came through. But when NXS Need It's Night slash Mediate came out and they were nominated for, I think, nine or ten awards and they won mm. five or six awards that night for, for, for that uh, particular, you know, song and its code track, Mediate, um, and, you know, seeing Sher and Melanie Griffith and Arsenio yeah. Hall and Brian uh, Ferry and uh, all these particular people introduce them and then when they got up and played at the end, Michael's got the, the flower in the hair yeah. and he's hitting the crowd and yeah. the crowd are getting into it when he's singing New Sensation. You saw mm-hmm. just this moment again of this sort of national pride. Yeah. You know, it felt like felt like my, ba- my band, the one yeah. that I'd been with for those five, six, seven, eight years yeah. had conquered the world. Yeah. And, you know, um, staggeringly, you know, again, what, how out of touch the Grammys were. They didn't even get a nomination for Album of the Year or Video mm. of the Year when, you know, the actual Video Awards named it Video of the Year. The Grammys were so far behind in really understanding what was cutting edge at the time. But, mm. but the MTV Awards probably have trailed Perfect. off a bit in significance. But mm-hmm. during that era, they were sort of the place to be and win. Yeah. So that's that, my number three. I get that one. Okay, number two. All right, number two. Uh, look, this, you know, I was 22, uh, right in the middle of uni, uh, in excess, decided after Wembley to effectively record and release uh, within about a year, Welcome to Wherever You Are, and really didn't decide to tour it. Like, it came out in August 92. Uh, which was great. Um, so we had sort of six, seven months to digest it and they didn't really tour it. Uh, early in the year, they played the concert for life uh, and, and, and uh, I guess put a couple of tracks out there during that uh, concert. But in early 93, they announced in Australia at least, uh, I think it was a, a tour called Get Out of the House Tour. Um, I think it was called that. Um, but but uh, essentially, essentially what they wanted to do was having done Wembley and climbed the mountain, I thought, well, why don't we just go back and place really unique venues and go back and uh, play, you know, some new stuff, some old stuff, some stuff that's coming out on future albums and all this sort of stuff. So it was not your conventional tour. 
So me and a bunch of mates from uni and then obviously part of that in excess fan base, which included people like Richard Simpkins in Sydney and MM in Melbourne and others, we, particularly in Melbourne where I'm from, we went down to the, to the, uh, the palace, which was next to the Palais. And again, for those who know the Listen Like Thieves film clip, that was filmed at the Palais. But next to it on the right-hand side, there was a venue called the Palace. And we went around April 93 to three in excess concerts, I believe over three nights. The first one was at, I think, the, Pal- uh, the Palace. The second one was actually at Melbourne Uni, of all places. Uh, and the third one was at uh, Chisholm or Caulfield, actually, sorry, uh, Monash University in Caulfield. Uh, at the first concert and the subsequent concert, okay, they came out and essentially played uh, seven of the first eight or nine tracks were off Full Moon Dirty Hearts. So they were playing stuff off an album that hadn't even been released yet. So we were hearing things like The Gift and Days of Rust and um, I think they opened with Communication off Welcome, but they were just pulling out like songs mm. that they were about to go off to Capri and record. Wow. Um, they had gone back and reworked updated versions of songs like Barbarian and songs yeah. like uh, Just Keep Walking and some real old stuff they hadn't played for years. Um, oh, wow. At the first concert at the Palace, the yeah. whole cast of Neighbours were upstairs in a VIP <laughs> area. And we hated Neighbours. <laughs> we didn't like that crowd. And as we were leaving the concert, we let them know about it too. Because we were young, <laughs> you know, like bloody VIP Neighbours. You wouldn't even know the bloody name of the last album, would you? <laughs> so we were pretty self-righteous about yeah, the wannabe be. fans nearby. Mm. Um on the first night at the concert, I was front row as, as I tried to be and Michael uh, was eating fruit during the performance and he handed me a fruit bowl. Oh. That fruit bowl is about five yards from my left-hand side oh, at the moment. Oh, show it to me. It's in my kitchen. I will show Go it to you. Go and get it now. Show it to oh, me now. Look, I can't get up and walk and chew gum at the same time, but I will, I'll t- take a pick and send it. So I, my current fruit bowl I've had for 28 years was courtesy of Michael just handing it to me. Uh, so that fruit bowl That's has uh, that fruit bowl seen a few bananas in its time, B. <laughs> uh, what are you laughing at? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, uh, right. that night, I remember them playing Don't Change. Uh, my good mate Ian from uni was there and um, I think they might have simulcast some of the songs on uh, what was Triple M radio at the time. We were driving home, we could hear it there and it was just a time and a place where, you know, 22 years of age, right at that sort of sweet spot of your youth and adulthood where here I am going to see In Excess mm-hmm. at the Palace where they've gone from Wembley at their last gig of 74,000, yeah. Concert for Life, 70, 80,000 to maybe a thousand people in a, in a pub club place. Oh, you look so, bugger. Yeah. So that experience was great. The second night, the we camp, we, we slept overnight at Melbourne uni the next night to get up the front in person. We slept down at Monash the next night. Like we, we, we were front row always. Um, and students are walking past you and they, the books say, what the fuck are you doing here? But, <laughs> but there was 20, 30 of us out the front, you know, rotating, getting the food and whatever there. And we, we were living the in excess sort of dream, hanging out with the band. We wanted the front row spot. Um, in wow. fact, the second night at Melbourne Uni, we had there was so much, so much of a crowd and probably not a lot of restrictions and laws in those days. The crowd was pushing from behind and we moved the stage physically probably five to ten yards off its axis. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah. And also that particular sort of tour around Australia when they did these sort of smaller venues, they 
uh, got in some very young Australian bands who really hadn't had much exposure at that point. So mm-hmm. I saw UMI, which for some people in Australia would know them very well, at uh, one of those 93 gigs. I saw a band called The Killjoys, another band called Black Eyed Susans. Um, they gave a lot of young emerging bands a forum to come in. I think Rebecca's Empire. There was a, a lot of bands that went on to do some really good things in Australia. And again, in excess, were very generous in bringing and shepherding a lot of younger bands in mm-hmm. uh, to that particular period of time. It went on to bigger things. So, um, uh, and there's that nice footage I think I've posted before about Tim Rogers talking about how the media have got a lot to answer for about Michael, you know, that yes, video. Yes, well, yes. you know, I think Tim always liked Michael because again, mm-hmm. he didn't give him his start, but yeah. he was, and he was always generous with young bands, always supporting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was just a time and a place and a period of my life where we just probably for about a seven, eight day period were the in excess go to everything. We bought the t-shirts. We, we, we met the band. I met Denny Hines. I met all the band members you know, different times uh, through different venues there. Um, it was just an experience to be a part of. And uh, yeah. I think there's a couple of listeners uh, like MM would probably uh, uh, remember it and uh, mm. fondly recognise it too. Yeah. Oh, that's really lovely. That's really nice. You talking about Tim Rogers then, it's just reminded me going back to the um, Jules Holland show. And at the end of the interview, um, Jules mentions about um noting that Michael started smoking cigars. Jewel said, did you know there's a fact now that if you have a cigar and a red wine, it can prolong your life and stop you getting Alzheimer's? And he says, um, may, may we live long and happy as friends. Oh, and it was just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just showed you what a friend Michael was to like Jules and a lot of people. Um, and um, yeah. I just thought I'd share that little bit. Yeah. Okay, and now for your number one, can, can I give you a drum roll for yours? Of course, Well, look, this is a bit of sweet, this one. Um, I don't think that there's a way of sugarcoating this particular one, but I'll at least try and find some sort of pathos in it. But unfortunately, Michael's passing and the whole thing around it is unfortunately the most memorable thing that actually probably has happened because um, it, it's, you know, from a, the way he passed and why and how and all that sort of stuff is pretty definitive. Um, so, but, there, you know, there's no silver linings in it, but it was sort of an experience that is indented in my mind and there was some sort of, you know, um, I guess small amount of pathos in, you know, how things ultimately went for me when that happened and the funeral and things. So I guess to give a bit of a backdrop, uh Inexus were coming back for the Elegantly Wasted Tour. Um, they were due to sort of start playing, I think, in a couple of days' time. Um, and we had tickets, I think, here in Victoria. There was, uh, ironically, at the the Palais. They were playing there. They were playing up in country Victoria in a place called Bendigo. We got tickets for that. and um, So we're all pretty excited. And uh, on the Saturday, I was out at my favourite sort of Italian eatery and uh, with a bunch of colleagues from work. Anyway, we'd gone back to our respective offices and then, I guess, get this call because it was sort of pre-mobile phone internet days. And I get a call from uh, one of the guys I had lunch with and he said, oh, looks like we won't be going to the concert. And I'm like, oh, I cancelled. What's going on? He goes, no, Michael's uh, passed away. Um, you know, and without going into the gory details, obviously let me know sort of what he was seemingly aware of. And because he was a bit of a prankster and jokester, there was part of me who wanted him to be joking and being a prankster, um, you know, I wanted him to, that was 
you know, wanted that to be the case. And yeah. I said, look, are you, are you having a lend of me? Uh, because if you are, please tell me definitively, because this is not funny. No. And then he sort of doubled down and said, no, it's true, true, true. Anyway, um, I had a, a CD player and a radio, whatever in my um, uh, work area there. So I went just to turn on the radio and went straight to sort of Triple M, which was sort of, you know, in excess alumni support radio station here in Australia to this day. But I turned on the radio and the first song that I heard was Beautiful Girl and I've gone, fuck. You know, like, mm. you know, it. they come back and then the, the DJs then telling the audience and mm. um, and then you're like, I was just numb. Like uh, I run a marketing company and it was sort of about two or three in the afternoon and I had to that after have all the marketing people come back to the office and all this sort of stuff. And I remember just hiding in the toilet yeah, um, and just my feet off the ground and just in the toilet with it locked and could barely sort of move or whatever there. And um, I, I couldn't face anyone. So I went home and, you know, um, uh, naturally family or friends, people were ringing me, not because it's about me. It's not about me because it's about mm. Michael, but they knew I was a big fan. So yeah. I guess from that sort of point of view, sports and music were my two big hobbies and mm. I'd known the lengths and, and fandom that I had. So I remember my sister came over the next morning and I remember I just stayed in my room for the weekend. I was just sort of numb and sort of just literally oblivious to whole thing, of the whole thing. And mm. obviously news reports come out, et cetera, there, you know, newspapers are bought, stories are, are mm. angled, they're trying to get to the bottom line of things, but it, it was mm. what it was. Mm. Um, taking this step to the next level, um, I, you know, I'd had, you know, family, grandparents and that pass away and they'd probably die of, you know, natural sort of attrition at the end of the day, lived a great life and you go and celebrate a life. But when someone's 37 and, uh, you know, at the sort of the, you might say the peak of their powers, but really, you know, at, a, at, a, at an age where I look back and I go, gee, 37, I take so that nice. now as in going back and being 37. I'm like, it's so young. So young. And, um, I wanted to go to the funeral. Now, in those days, it's 1997. Like, there was no online. There was no cheap flights in Australia. To fly from Melbourne to Sydney was six, seven, eight hundred dollars It was not cheap. And I went down to <laughs> – this is how long ago it was. I went down to the place to buy your ticket because, again, you bought a ticket and they printed it off for you and gave it to you. There's yeah. no online. And I, and I said, oh, they, the lady at the place called Ansett, was, that was the airline, you know, which is not even around anymore. She said, oh, where are you off to? I said, oh, off to Sydney. And she's like, oh, I'm going up there for family. Well, I said, oh, I'm going to a funeral actually. And she said, oh, okay. Um, you know, you can get distressed rates for, for bereavement. And I said, oh, oh, yeah, no problems. That's fine. She said, yeah, all you've got to do is produce a death certificate or some sort of, you know, funeral notice or whatever. And I said, oh. Uh, I won't be able to get one of those. It's actually for Michael Hutchins. <laughs> and mm. she said, oh, my God, I, you don't need one. Let me get you a ticket. Um, and that ticket was about $220, which compared to retail and non-bereavement would have been about six, 700 So oh. the lady over the counter was really kind what of to me. beautiful lady. Yeah. yeah. So that, so that might be the Monday or Tuesday because he passed on the Saturday, right? And that might have been on the Monday or Tuesday. The funeral was on a Thursday. Um. So I remember that day in the morning going to work, putting the suit on, going to work, doing such and such. And I wasn't shy, but I was probably my own world, but I didn't really let the staff know where I was going for the day. All I did was um, just let them know I'll be out for the day. And anyway, I, I remember getting to Sydney and then ringing my admin saying, oh, look, it's Thursday. We do recruitment on Thursdays in the major newspapers. So before seek.com or 
you know, jobs recruiting, you know, I remember having to ring her from a payphone <laughs> and tell her, look, I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot to put the ads in. Can you, can you speak to the, the papers and put our ads on? Anyway, back in that day, point to this, when you ring from a payphone from interstate, you get a beeping noise, like beep, 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 which is called uh, STD. Yeah. You know? um, so uh, she says, yeah, I'll put the ads in, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, hang on, did I hear a beep there? Oh, my God, you're in Sydney, aren't you? You're going to the funeral, haven't you? And I've gone, uh, yeah, I might go now. But <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, I'm still in my suit from work. I, I catch a cab out to the uh, church, get there, and it's in Pitt Street uh, at the church there. I think you know where that is, having yes. been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Michael's, I think it might be, the church, I think. Anyway, um, I... I get there and there's this absolute cavalcade of thousands of people, you know, uh, uh, there's a, there's a barricade, there's the hearse, there's the coffin and there's all these backpackers and different people with their sort of instant cameras and, you know, you know, not phones in those days, but they're all having a bit of a gawk. And I remember feeling, and there were fans and everyone around. And I remember feeling very displaced in the sense that here I am really passionate about this. And all they wanted was get a gawk of the coffin. And, Mm. you know, there was a news crew there. This was being filmed live in Australia. Um, They had, you know, people from all overseas were coming in. It was sort of an event. Mm. Um, Anyway, I, I, there were guys who were like that movie in line of fire, Clint Eastwood, like from Secret Service who had the little, you know, little cord microphone up to their ear, wearing suits and sunglasses. It was like the president was being guarded. Yeah. As one of them was, was walking past my area, I literally put my hand up and I had my boarding pass in my hand and I said to the gentleman, I said, I was five deep behind this barricade and I said, hi, any chance that I could get into the church? Yeah. He sort of looked at me and I said, I've come a long way here for this. And mm-hmm. I had my boarding passes in the air. And he turned around and sort of acknowledged me and said, wait here, sir. Before I knew it, this lady next to me from Perth, who I was been chatting to, <laughs> grabbed me by the arm. And she had a pendant on and had a picture of Michael playing live in this little pendant. Oh. And she says, if you get in, tell him I'm with you. <laughs> oh, bless her. <laughs> yeah. So... He comes back and says, sir, man five deep, come with me. I'm like, okay. Anyway, I get escorted all the way around behind this sort of crowd and around the side area of this church. I get escorted into the church and I get to sit down and she's sort of tagged along with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the church and I've picked up, you know, the, you know, the, um, so, uh, the the service. sermon, the sermon mm. service itinerary of what's happening, and yeah. Nick Kay, for those who don't know, was there to you know he was Godfather, Mike was Godfather to their kids and things, and mm-hmm. and he was singing and playing a, a tune, and um, you know Kylie's walking in, Paula's walking in, Tom Jones was there, you know Jason Donovan was there, you know mm. there was a who's who from Australia and overseas who who'd come in for it. Um, I remember there was these big flowers, tiger lily flowers that Bono had sent. He was yeah. playing in Mexico at the time and couldn't be there. And, and we sort of acknowledged that on one of our other sort of recent, you know, episodes. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I was in there and then, you know, it was a beautiful service. The only sort of negative thing about it was behind me, a, a rod above me, there was this cereal pest, a guy called Peter Hoare who used to basically be called the cereal pest. He used to like to interrupt events. He ran naked down the... Flemington Raceway during our Melbourne Cup, one of the famous horse races in the world. He stormed Parliament in Adelaide one year. He he climbed the net of a soccer international and cut the soccer net. He 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 had this sort of 
sort of um, uh, vendetta about animal cruelty and he, and he used public forums of, of events to sort of make his case be known. But oh. he literally was above me and he grabbed his tie and yelled out, Paula, Paula, this is what Michael did, what? which is the most distasteful thing Just I've ever heard in my life. Oh. He was grabbed by security and all this glass and, and light fittings hit the floor right near us. He was arrested. Good. But Nick Cave kept playing his kept song, um, yeah. uh, Into My Arms or Into Your Arms, or whatever there, kept playing, didn't, didn't miss a beat. Um, part of Nick playing that song and doing it was that the cameras didn't film him. He didn't want to be filmed for no. it. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to play the song and not be filmed. But, um, you know, they then played Never Tear Us Apart um, and By My Side, I think. They, the band carried the casket out and uh, Rhett spoke. Um, Andrew obviously spoke. Uh, I think Richard Wilkins was hosting, Wilkins. of course. Yeah, he did, did it from the fans' point of view. Yeah, um, and then they carried the coffin out, and then literally the the, the, the um, you know they took the the hearse and things away, and then there was this it was a real tropical November day. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly, when the when the hearse went away, me and this girl from Perth we went outside, and next you know it started belting down with rain. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the the coffin was in the hearse, and then you know they obviously drove off for their private, you know. Um, you know, uh, memorials and things like that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had a, had a glass of wine, <clears throat> glass of wine with this lady. I caught up with a mate in Sydney that night and, um, and, and, you know, myself personally, I'm really glad I went because mm-hmm. it was again, one of those things where you were amongst in excess faithful, uh, and it was a way of sort of saying goodbye within my own way. And, I'm glad I went to it and I've always understood what funerals can be for people. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, you know, unfortunately I lost my mother a couple of years ago. Um, but they can be very healing experiences when you are around celebrating somebody with people who feel the same way. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I said, Michael's life departure is a tragedy, but what mm-hmm. I sort of take solace in is that even though he was only around for 37 years, he lived three times the value in those 37 years that a lot of many people don't, you know, the women, the partying, the, the excess, the, the travel, um, the lifestyle, you know, the great family, brothers, sisters, things like that, band members, successful, you know, um, international career in many ways. He's 37 years. I like to think were more like 77 years, you know, in some ways. Yeah. So, you know, I guess probably coming a bit full cycle or full circle, um, you know, I look back now trying to more celebrate his life than commiserate his life. And I think the band had to get to that particular point, mm-hmm. but, um, the, you know, the, unfortunately his passing meant the end of in excess in some ways and the end of a, a period in an era. And, you know, we will probably talk about Michael in more depth as to sort of the circumstances at a lot of time, but this was memorable, I guess in, in a tragic way, um, but that experience of going to the funeral, being a part of that in some small way was quite healing at the time. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I'm glad you did it. And I'm glad you, that you found some, some solace from it as well. Cause yeah. I was, I, I, I was in bits in England when I found out I, I was angry, hmm. angry that wasn't going to see him again. Yeah. More than yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Yeah. But you know, um, I think, I think it's life in a way, you know, the things you love in life, ultimately in some way, some ways we're all going to die, you know, without sounding too morbid. 
Um, yeah, but that storm, it says it all. He wasn't yeah. ready to go, was he? He was like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Anger. <laughs> it's, it's just interesting, though. Like, you know, as I said earlier, the Rockstar in Excess thing, you know, I found a way of getting into that <laughs> studio and I found a way of getting into that church. And, you know, if I got a, if well, I got a goal, you if I got do a goal seem to have life, an air about you with confidence of like, Ken. I, ain't, I ain't hanging out in my three piece <laughs> suit with a bunch of backpackers gawking at a coffin. I, I'm getting into that church and I'm paying respect for my hero. <laughs> I think that's something that we don't both have in common, don't we? No, no one's going to tell us no. We'll yeah. Find another way of like finding that how to get the yes. And and I, and I've got you know locked away. I've still got that uh, service you know there. Mm, you know to this you day, have. it's 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 in such a good hiding spot. I can't find it, but it is somewhere in <laughs> in my in it's my under cupboards. Under the fruit bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah. Look, taking as an overall, you know, the overall six things, you know, memorable, but can be both you know positive, negative, yeah. in between, or whatever. There, but. Um, I, you know, better to invest in a journey with someone and be a part of something than sit on the fence and not at all. I mean, you know, a lot of people out there go, oh, yeah, I like the man. Oh, yeah, they're pretty good. Oh, yeah, he lost it at the end. But, you mm. know, it's a superficial understanding that people are not yeah. passionate. They're probably people who, who who look at the band as ear candy and that's it. But I think for us in this particular community, in this particular fan base, you know, um, you know, NXS were my team. You know, mm. If I can use a sporting parlance, they were my team. They were the ones I barrack for. And the ones still I do. Still barrack for and still want to get this band in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Probably more than they think about it, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> I you know. don't know. I think that I think they're thinking about it a little bit more. They're listening to us. I know that for a well, fact. Well, maybe we're like caddies in golf. We don't hit the golf ball and hit the high notes or whatever they like at the guitar, <laughs> but we at least hand the right stick to them and we're, we're propelling them forward in this part of their career. So that's well, our, I, our mission. I'd like to think that we're going to be adding to this list as well, and there's more to come. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool, well, cool, thank, cool. thank you for listening to us, everybody. I'm sure that, like you say, it was a bit self-indulgent, and yours was far more interesting than mine. But um, they met a lot, a lot. Thanks, we love thanks, you in excess. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Hi, this is Lori from Chicago, and now it's time for Pleasure and Pain. Okay, and my favorite part of this show, Pleasure and Pain, I'm going to hand over to you, Mr. Murdoch, and we'll play out your, what what you're going to say? No, no, no. Play the track. We'll play it first, (laughs) and then we'll uh, we'll come back, and I'll see if I get your vote of approval or not. All right, then. We'll see. Okay, here we go.
flowers fly, neighbors just shine home. But if a night falls and a bomb falls, will everybody see the dawn time?
All right, so 1987 was a big year for songs I really like. Now, there is a little bit of a guilty one, but I still love it. Let's go Wang Chung, okay? <laughs> I know a lot of people like everybody have fun tonight and dance all days and those ones, which I do, but I love the uh, Let's Go one. Uh, I, no. I, I, I remember air vocaling, you know, with the, mm-hmm. uh, I think the meat uh, masher or the potato masher to that <laughs> around the house as a 16-year-old. I thought that was cool. Um Knew you were waiting, George Michael, Rita Franklin. I'm not a great George Michael fan. Either were you last week, although you loved all these songs. <laughs> but <laughs> I think but it's, it's a good the, song. I, I think do, it's one I, of the best. I agree. Yeah, one of the best duets. George Michael, Rita, mm. you were waiting. And to me, it's like River Deep Mountain High Part 2, the vocals, mm. the lyrics and things like that. Mm. Uh, Ship of Fools, World Party, awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah. Um, love it. Sign of the Times, Prince. Yeah. Probably, probably the most topical song of its era. Uh, mm. Love the clipping the lyrics and things. He had yep. same album. He had a song called Starfish and Coffee. Guys, if you want to go onto YouTube and find him singing that with the Muppets, it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a really funny little lyric about standing in the line at school, uh, ordering lunch and uh, the kids being jealous of another student or whatever. It's a really sweet kid song, but it's done with an adult sort of vocal. So uh, love that one. Streets okay. Have No Name You Too, still the greatest Ooh. live song Mm-hmm. It's out there. Nothing beats it. It even beats oh. Don't Change. Just sorry, guys. <gasps> live, <laughs> live. <laughs> uh, the way it is, Bruce Hornsby, probably the best piano song of all time. Uh, great vocal, great lyric. Uh, love it still. Don't Need a Gun, Billy Idol. Great guitar Ooh. break in the middle with Stevie Stevens there. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Midnight Blue, Lou Graham. This is a song Lou Graham gave to his partner in Foreigner and the Foreigner guy said, I don't like it. The only reason the guy didn't like it in Foreigner, Mick Jones, is because he didn't write it. Oh. Okay. So yes. Lou goes, buggy, I'm going to record it. And it was a hit for him and he won a Grammy. You know? Good on Mick him. Jones is one of the most selfish people in rock and roll and Lou Graham will tell you plenty of stories about it. Okay. Sorry. Good, good band. Bad businessman, Mick. Uh, Tongue of Love, Bruce Springsteen. Love the lyric, uh, fat man sitting on a little stool, taking money from my hands while my eyes try to walk all over you. Ask me to smile, whispers good luck. Cover up my angel, cover up my little dove. We're going to ride down, baby, into the tunnel right. of love. <laughs> <laughs> there is some singing. Bee's literally shaking her head as I sing, so it's encouraging me to sing furtherly. No. Sorry, I, lo- I, I, lo- I love that song. <laughs> um, okay. But everything that goes up, B. Yes. Law of physics has to go down. Yeah. So I, I have to uh, <laughs> indulge for a moment on what is uh, uh, pretty crap of that era that I was listening to that hasn't survived uh, my time. So over to the crap thing.
Before I be, uh, don't forget me when I'm gone, Glass Tiger. This song was so bad that even Brian Adams was, uh, I guess, summoned to back up vocals. That's how bad the song was. <laughs> yeah. Now, Starship, our fan favourites who, who are on our crap list every week. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to stop us now. No. Yeah, I think the mannequin song. Wish it would. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it stopped them at the time. <laughs> Now, Respect Yourself, great tune, <laughs> English band, we did it, but then it was covered by a guy called Bruno, a.k.a. Bruce Willis, uh, who destroyed the <laughs> essence of the blue-eyed soul version. <laughs> Sorry, Bruno, stick to moonlighting. Yes, uh, moonlighting. Okay. Let's talk about that. <laughs> All right, fourth one here. A lot of my Melbourne friends and listeners are going to be shocked about this, but Funky Town, Pseudo Echo, Melbourne band, cover song, went number six in America. Hmm. Um, it was a cover, I think, of a band called Lips in Sync or Lips Inc. It has not aged well, okay? But a few drinks and I may still hit the dance floor with it. Uh, Last one, Say La Vie, Robbie Neville. Bye-bye. Anytime an American or Western band tries to put a French lyric in a song, it sucks. Sucks, 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 sucks. Oh, one we didn't put in, which I wish we did put in, and and maybe the power of editing, we can go back and add it in later. The power of editing, The power of editing, B. We might be to go back and edit this in, but there's a song called French Kissing in the USA by Deborah Harry. Oh. That was a song that's pretty cool. And it was written by the guy called Chuck Law, who yeah. created Two and a Half Men. Oh. So maybe Power of Editing, we can whack that in and retrospectively put it in. But uh, that was 87 as well. That was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. I quite like that song. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm a bit of a blondie girl. Yeah, next week, 1988, it's over to you. That would be a pivotal year for you, B. It would have been the year you turn, was it 31? <laughs> Cheeky bugger. 21. <laughs> oh, you are 11. so in trouble when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. This is Felicia Marie from Carmadale. This is Fosby from San Francisco. This is Anne Marie from Ohio. And that's a wrap. B, well, we come to end of episode 21, okay? Mm-hmm. There's something beautiful about the number 21, isn't there? Yes, there is. I won't mention 1988. Uh, I, I, I knew you were going to bring up that again, <laughs> you bugger. <laughs> but I, what I can reveal to you is that B has promised for a very long time about merchandising competitions. Well, we can be more definitive now. B has seconded her family to go camping and she's going on a road trip to Sydney in a non-COVID town to go and meet a certain person who is going to provide certain memorabilia for some unbelievable competitions and some giveaways. So in two weeks' time, B, there is pressure on you to reveal said this items and said competitions. Now. This is pressure. Well, this I've is been a waiting. Bit of a I want to win something. Now you're letting my secrets out. I was going to well, keep it a secret. Now, you, now everyone knows, and now everybody wants in, don't they? Well, but, you know, if you're a patron, whether you're a, uh, a bronze, silver, gold, or platinum patron, you become eligible for these competitions. Mm. So if you want to get access to in-excess memorabilia merchandise, become a patron. Five, ten, twenty, thirty a month. 
mm-hmm. guys, we need your help. And uh, part of this money is going into great giveaways and merchandise and big stuff, membership packs that are coming your mm, way. So big stuff. It's all starting to uh, occur. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Having said that, B, uh, remind the listeners on some of the platforms where people can engage with one another and listen or share this podcast. Yes, well, we are on podcasts and we're on iTunes and we are on Podbeam, which is the best place to come and find us. Then you can have everything listed and you can get straight into um, looking at the rewards that we have on offer in our patron system. We, can, we are now on um, TuneIn as well. So, out. Oh, and the last one was um, the um, Amazon Music, wasn't it? Yeah. That was last week. Twitter? Twitter? Oh, gosh. They're on Twitter. I'm trying to tweet, actually. I'm trying tweet. to get into this tweet. <laughs> Tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. A lot, a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of people have problems with the, the word tweet or tweeting or whatever. Just think of Tweety Bird, you know, in you know the, the, the cartoons. Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird. Okay. Tweety well, I'm going so, to tweet more often. All right. Well, look, um, I guess for listeners, et cetera, there, look, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast tonight. We probably did get a little bit deep and indulgent in parts, but look, you know, we it, it's probably an example of what this band means to us. And, and if we could share a bit of our experiences, both mm-hmm. memorable and, uh, and, and positive and even, you know, you know, heartfelt in some cases, I guess in my own case, a little bit, you know, you know, with you, um, we, we hope that, you know, you've been on a bit of a journey and, you know, felt what we've felt about the band and you can keep on loving them, supporting them, acknowledging them, signing all the petitions, you know, share the podcast out. If you feel like this is something you've got friends or family or people that might find interesting to listen to mm-hmm. um, and have a bit of a laugh at the same time uh, as being educated, uh, we'd love to, to be engaged with more people. I, you know, we're, we're now pushing up to 7,000 downloads, which yeah. we've been told is, 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 is pretty good in the podcast yeah. community. Um, but, you know, uh, our ultimate mission is not about us. It's about just getting the band recognised and into the Hall of Fame and putting up on that pedestal where they deserve to be, B. Yeah, and there's more interesting stuff to come, everybody. So keep on listening and keep on pushing us out to everybody. Tell all of your friends. But we'd like to actually know who's listening as well. So yeah. always coming back and interact with us on our Facebook page, which is In Excess Access All Areas. You can um, inbox me or you can just like it's the, the thread, just keep talking. Um, and for the patrons, I've now started um, a message, messenger, and we're all having little chats now, which is nice. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And what we're going to do tonight, we, uh, we're going to go out with uh, a bit of a tribute song to Michael. Um, I, I touched upon, you know, the circumstances of his funeral and Michael was great mates with a very sort of famous Australian uh, songwriter, band member, um, screenwriter, movie producer, um, who really uh, is probably one of the preeminent, preeminent lyricists in the world. And that's a gentleman by the name of Nick Cave. And Nick Cave was in a, a, one of those original punk bands in the 70s and 80s called The Birthday Party. Uh, he then went on to form The Bad Seeds. Uh, Nick lives in, uh, I think lives in Brighton or the coastal area of England. Um, but he's gone on and written some fantastic movie scripts. He even got given the chance to write the sequel to Gladiator, which, you know, unfortunately got rejected because probably was too intelligent for Hollywood. Um, but Nick is a preeminent songwriter and lyricist. And uh, around 1997, 96, 97, he had an album out called The Boatman's Calls, The Boatman Calls. And uh, the song that he sung at Michael's funeral, probably his most famous song, uh, Bono himself uh, incorporates it into the song Bad, uh, which he performs live nearly every U2 concert. 
uh, and it's just a beautiful song and I think it hopefully captures, you know, the feeling of this podcast and we always like to either have a cover song or a tribute song at the end of each episode that maybe reflects the tone of the podcast and we would like to put this one out to you to listen. So from to tonight, today, tomorrow, it's a good night from me, B. And it's a goodbye from B. <laughs> good <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Goodbye, right. everybody. Bye-bye.
Into 